to the Voice of Reason podcast. I am your host, the Voice of Reason, Owen Reese. Uh, and today we have our 2020 NFL Draft Round 1 recap or roundup um, as far as the Green Bay Packers go. Uh, this is Episode 2 of this podcast, uh, but because this is late at night and um, got a lot of stuff to get through here, I'm going to jump right in. So in the first round, the Packers had the 30th overall pick and uh, traded up with the Miami Dolphins to pick 26. They gave up pick 30 and pick 136 in the fourth round uh, to take quarterback Jordan Love, a redshirt junior, out of Utah State. Um, <clears throat> Love had been a guy who was down at the Senior Bowl. He led the FCS, or excuse me, the FBS in interceptions this year. Um, and took a step down statistically in 2018. He had 32 touchdowns and six interceptions, uh, which led to him carrying quite a bit of buzz into this 2019 college football season. Uh, however, this season he had 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Uh, I think there are a couple contributing factors to that uh, that we'll get through here in a little bit. Um, but so obviously a, a polarizing pick, a very frustrating pick, I think, for a lot of Packer fans. I think the allure of wanting to win now with Aaron Rodgers getting older in his career uh, and coming off a 13-3 and season in an NFC Championship game loss. I think that's uh, probably a big part of the, the frustration. Obviously, this isn't a pick to win now. Jordan Love isn't going to help you beat um, beat anybody in the playoffs next year as far as, the, as long as the Packers uh, have anything to say about it. And I think that if, if Love is in the game, I don't think that things are going that well um, for the Packers. So, Understandably, I think a lot of fans are frustrated right now, and I get it, but we're going to talk through this um, from a few different lenses and, and try to, to put some context into this and hopefully be able to talk you guys uh, off of the ledge here a little bit. So first thing, um, my thoughts on the pick initially, I was uh, not thrilled about it. Um, I, I When they traded up to 26, I expected a couple different things. I thought maybe they were trading up for Patrick Queen, uh, or maybe they were trying to get, uh, they felt as though... Uh, T. Higgins or some a receiver um, that uh, you know with Brandon Ayuk went at 25. The 49ers traded up at 25 uh, with the Vikings to take Brandon Ayuk. So I wondered if they thought there was going to be a run, uh, a run on receivers was going to continue, whether it was uh, for Denzel Mims or T. Higgins, someone like that, uh, Patrick Queen. Um, and eventually they did. They obviously they took Jordan Love. So. Initially, like I said, I wasn't thrilled about it, but the more you think about it, it's it starts to make a bit more sense, and it's at least less surprising. I think that it's something that we had seen in the media that the Packers had been meeting with quarterbacks, and I think that's something that, uh, in the in the moment, I think probably isn't taken as seriously as it always should be. Obviously, there's a lot of smoke screens and a lot of meetings with players that don't end up on your team or guys that get picked that you don't meet with. So there's uh, you don't never want to take that stuff too literally, but um, you know, in, in hindsight, the Packers had met with quarterbacks, um, so obviously there was there was some something to that. So on Jordan Love, <clears throat> admittedly, he was someone that I had not watched during the pre-draft process. I knew who he was. He was down in Mobile. I knew he was a potential first-round quarterback prospect, much more of a developmental pick or a raw talent than some of the other top guys. Uh, like Tua Herbert or Burrow. So the th uh, I watched him three games of 2019. I watched him in their season opener. They lost to Wake Forest. He threw 
for over 400 yards and three touchdowns, but also had three interceptions. Uh, one of those, admittedly, uh, on a Hail Mary heave near the end of the game. I watched him against LSU in a game that they lost that he had. Uh, he was 15 for 30 with three picks. Uh, not a great game um, for him there. And then the last game was against Fresno State, where he went 30 of 39 uh, for 300-something yards and two touchdowns. So watched three games. I think something that is immediately evident is that he has an absolute laser beam of a right arm. Uh, that's something, obviously, there's a lot of allure there, uh, something that the NFL coaches are going to to be uh, drawn to and want to work with. I mean, he's got an absolute hose. I think that's something that immediately pops off. He's also a very good athlete, uh, definitely an above-average athlete for the quarterback position. I wouldn't necessarily call him a threat to run, but he's certainly able to extend plays, and he isn't slow if he's in the open field. Uh, just doesn't always look to scramble more so to extend the play. So I think those are two, obviously two huge things, right? Like quarterback, he's 6'4", he's 225 pounds, and he can throw it really far and he runs pretty quickly or he's a good athlete. <clears throat> so there's obviously traits there that are appealing. Uh, he makes some really, really tough throws. Uh, his arm strength allows him to fit balls into windows that a lot of guys can't and probably wouldn't even attempt. Um, but it's uh, very often the case with quarterbacks that are that talented from an arm standpoint. They trust their arm a lot, and they think that they can make throws that they probably can't. Um, there are a few other things, though, to consider. Jordan Love had three different offensive coordinators in three years at Utah State. I think that's always something to to take into account. Another thing that, uh, and I know they... The NFL uh, network and the media is going to drive this, that he's the first quarterback picked in the first round that led the country in interceptions since Dan Marino. Um, that's a cool stat, whatever. Uh, he threw 17 touchdowns or 17 interceptions this year. Excuse me. Uh, Dan, or er, excuse me, Matt Ryan threw 19 touch. Excuse me. Matt Ryan threw 19 interceptions his senior year at Boston college. And the narrative was much more on the, well, he was just trying to do too much because Boston College didn't have the talent around him to uh, compete with some of the teams that were in the Big East at the time. That unless you know, that, and that's what caused Ryan to try too hard and press and try to make too much happen. And I think that that narrative can pretty safely be put on Love in this situation. Uh, he had a, a big drop off of talent and surrounding cast from 2018 to 2019, as well as a new offense coming in. So uh, going from 32 touchdowns to six picks to 20 touchdowns to 17 picks, obviously there's something to that. And I think that's something that uh, needs to be taken into consideration. So why it makes sense. Okay. So uh, as a first round pick, the Packers will have the ability to control Jordan Love for five years, uh, as opposed to the head they um, you know, waited and maybe he wasn't going to go in the first round. And if they traded up to say 33 with the Bengals to take him in the second round, um, anyone that's not picked in the first round, you can only have control over for four years uh, before they are eligible for a contract extension with Jordan Love being picked in the first round. The team does have the ability uh, to exercise a fifth year option if they choose to do so. So the other thing uh, that to me, like makes a ton of sense is that he needs time. 
right? He's a developmental quarterback prospect. And he's a guy that has all of the requisite tools to become a very high-level starter. Uh, He's got the arm strength, the athleticism. He shows the playmaking ability. And there are times where he makes some really, really impressive throws going through progressions, keeping his eyes downfield as he's extending the play. Um, And there are other times where it's very clear that he's either trying too hard or he is just reckless with the football. Um, And so he needs time. Uh, Some consistent coaching wouldn't hurt. And he just needs some time to develop. He's not ready to step in day one and and compete with Aaron Rodgers for the quarterback job, which he wouldn't be able to anyways. So in Green Bay, he has that. He has a, a consistent environment. He has a winning culture, a good organization, and a an established quarterback in front of him for him to sit behind and learn from. Uh, and and I know that that's a like I said, probably not the most rewarding thing for Packers fans to hear is that well, our backup quarterback now has a couple of years to learn how to be a quarterback. But um, that is something to unless Rodgers gets injured, um, you know, there Jordan Love won't be thrust into the game too early. Uh, I think being a later first round pick, he'll have that ability. He's not going to be forced in in game five if the Packers are one and four or one and three and, and Rodgers throws his fourth pick of the game, you know, like you'd see somewhere with Daniel Jones last year with the Giants. Uh, Jordan Love has the ability to sit. He's not going to be forced to play too early uh, where his bad habits could be more easily sunk back into. <clears throat> He's going to have pro level coaching at the quarterback position and you know, as his career goes on, um, mo- much more uh, continuity in the coaching staff than he had at Utah State, which I think is important. Uh, I think the other thing, too, that once you realize what the board looked like for the Packers, I think this pick starts to make a bit more sense. So obviously there were some fears as though that uh, the Colts were going to move up for Jordan Love. There had been quite a bit of talk that um, they may have been interested in him at 13 before they traded their 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner. So I do think there was some smoke there with the the Colts uh, also looking for a developmental quarterback. Um, the other thing, though, too, is that other than Patrick Queen, which, again, I'm not convinced that the Packers value linebacker as much as the fan base does. And I, I'm obviously there's you know not a ton more to go off of than what we knew uh, prior to today. But I think that until we see how they address the linebacker position, if they do so at all, um, we still kind of have to work under the premise that they want to be a nickel and dime defense, and they feel as though that with Christian Kirksey as their free agent signing, and whether it's Oren Burks or another linebacker on the roster, Ty, um, you know Curtis Bolton they liked last year, or Ty Summers, or if they plan on taking another linebacker in day three, that they just don't need to invest so heavily in the linebacker position. So. Um, Patrick Queen probably being the top prospect on the board there. Like I said, again, there were a couple wide receivers on the board. Apparently the Packers didn't feel as though they needed to go get him. Uh, We'll talk about who's available here in day two in a second. There are quite a few guys um, there that they could still grab at 62, um, or if they need to feel as though they need to trade up to do that, um, they can. So uh, I just don't think that the board was that enticing for the Packers. I think that there were no... um, you know, slam dunk, they could have had blank and this guy will, they'll, they'll regret not taking this player at 30 or even at 26, um, you know, if they didn't take Jordan Love. So 
once you get to that point, I think it makes a bit more sense. So now obviously, why is it frustrating? Why can it be frustrating? It's not a win-now move. And obviously, coming off of a 13-3 and season and an NFC Championship game loss, you feel as though you're very close and you might be only one, one guy away, one big pick away, and then you have that first-round pick and ability to do that. Um, you know, I, obviously, that is frustrating in the moment, but I think something to take into consideration is that you don't build teams one year at a time. And just like when Packer fans were frustrated at in 2005 when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers later in the first round when they still had Brett Favre, well, this isn't a win-now move. Brett Favre at the time was 35. Aaron Rodgers is 36 right now. will turn 37 in December. This isn't a win-now move. But if it works, which obviously is, is an if, right? But for the most part, it's probably just as much as an if as it was if the Packers had taken a wide receiver, right? Like it's the draft is a crapshoot, and if it was that easy, ever, no teams wouldn't make bad picks. So the... The thing is, is that you need to build your roster. Something that's also been a concern and a criticism of the Packers is that their backup quarterback hasn't been good for quite some time. Um, you know, obviously Brett Hundley, Seneca Wallace, um, you know, Scott Tolzien, Matt Flynn, and now to the last couple of years, Tim Boyle, Deshaun Kaiser. There were talks that when Green Bay traded back in 2016, uh, when they traded, uh, back for Kevin King at 33 that Deshaun Kaiser might have been that they had a first round grade on him and that they thought that Deshaun Kaiser could have been the pick at 33. Um, so obviously Gutekunst has spent draft capital. Um, you know, when they traded Demarius Randall for Deshaun Kaiser to the Browns, it's been clear that <clears throat> there's been an effort made to upgrade that position. And I don't think that's going to stop. Um, well, likely it will now, but I mean, that's, it was very clear that the Packers felt as though they needed an upgrade at backup quarterback. And that, so that's there as well. So again, you don't build teams one year at a time. Um, you know, if Jordan Love hits in five years, then no one should complain or no one will complain that, well, the, you know, Aaron Rodgers could have used another blank receiver, tight end, O lineman, whatever. Um, and I would rather that he would have had that receiver four years ago than us have our quarterback of the future right now. So, it's definitely a future move, not a now move, and I understand the frustration of that, but at the same time, if you can build a sustainably successful organization um, over, the, over the course of time, that's the, the priority rather than um, playing in the short term and playing for the right now. And if Jordan Love works out and is a, a solid starting quarterback uh, after Aaron Rodgers is gone, this was worth it. So to finish the love pickup, we do want to get into some day two stuff quickly. Uh, but to finish up uh, the Aaron, uh, the Jordan Love pick, um, I see a lot of mentions on Twitter, a lot of frustration that immediately the talk is, well, it looks like Aaron Rodgers won't be on the roster in 2021, or that they want to trade Aaron Rodgers, or some other foolishness. Aaron Rodgers has four years and $78 million left on his contract. So even if the Packers did want to get rid of him, there's only a couple teams that could even take that contract on. And two, the Packers aren't looking to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, right? He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he still just took them to the NFC Championship game. So the Green Bay Packers are not looking to move on from Aaron Rodgers. 
the other thing too is that I was uh, saw a lot of like that Aaron Rodgers is, you know, well he's still four or five years away from retiring, so like Jordan Love isn't going to get any time. Uh, I guess I could be mistaken here. I was pretty under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers had has made comments that he doesn't necessarily anticipate wanting to play into his 40s. And as I mentioned earlier, he's 36 right now. He'll be 37 in December. If he plays two or three more years, you know that's then you give Jordan Love a year or two, um, you know, before you have to decide on his fifth year option. So to me, <clears throat> that's a a very short sighted take. Uh, it's something that I don't think has a ton of merit, or at least that I remember seeing. So, um, first of all, they're not going to trade or cut Aaron Rodgers because if they tried to cut him, they would put themselves in cap hell for a year or two even uh, with his dead cap. And then the other thing, too, is they can only trade him to a certain amount of teams, and they're just simply not going to look to trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, I think there's a lot of, again, it's a lot of uh, frustration and tension uh, among the fan base, and that's fine, and I get that. Uh, but the big, the don't be a prisoner of the moment. I, I try to preach that a lot. I try to preach objectivity. Don't be a prisoner of the moment. Take a step back. Take a breath. You can still either agree or disagree with the pick, but the sky isn't falling because they drafted a developmental quarterback in the end of the first round. Um, I think the other thing too to, to at least keep taken to some account is that Brian Gutekunst was in the building when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, and they had Brett Favre already on the roster. So he's seen this situation before. I don't know if he necessarily intended on remaking it, but there is that possibility there. And again, the sky isn't falling. The Green Bay Packers are one of the better organizations in the NFL, and Brian Gutekunst has given us no reason to have any trepidation or mistrust in how he's building this roster. It's already much improved from when he took it over two years ago, and we'll see what he continues to do in the draft. Um, but from free agency, he's at least already made more moves. I expect this team to be better in 2020, at least from a roster standpoint, than they were in 2019. So finishing that up, we're going to put that to bed for right now. Obviously, it's in this uh, discussion isn't going to end anytime soon, but we will move on uh, to some potential day two guys. So with the first round pick out of the way, obviously they took a quarterback. So a lot of the needs that we saw or we felt as though going into the 30th overall pick are obviously still there. Wide receiver, tight end, O-line, D-line, linebacker, or defensive back are all positions I could see them targeting here on day two. Uh, and we'll go through a, a few names at least for most of these positions just to, to name some guys. Uh, at the wide receiver position, some guys that we talked about uh, in the last podcast, KJ Hamler from Penn State. It's a small slot receiver jitterbug. Uh, 5'9", 175 pound receiver, return guy, uh, electric speed, a different skill set than the Packers have at receiver right now. Uh, another guy somewhat in that vein is LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Not so much in the size department. Um, Chenault's about 6'1", and 210 pounds, but a Randall Cobb type style of player where you just need to get him the ball in his hands. He can line up in the backfield. He can line up in the slot. He can play outside. He's dangerous with, with the ball after the catch. He's a guy that's tough to bring down. I think he's another guy that makes some sense. Maybe at 62, he seems to be falling a little bit, do some medical red flags. That could be a big-time value for the Packers if they're able to get Chenault later in the second round. Um, some bigger body guys, 
T. Higgins from Clemson is 6'4", and then Michael Pittman from Ohio, from USC, a couple big body wide receivers, as well as uh, Denzel Mims, who I don't anticipate the being around for the Packers, uh, but he is a bigger body wide receiver. I expect him to be one of the first guys off the board tomorrow uh, in the second round. At tight end, a couple of guys that seem to make sense for the Packers if they are looking to continue to invest there. Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame. And then Adam Troutman, the tight end from Dayton, I think are two well-rounded, all-around tight ends that would be good compliments to Jay Sternberger, who, while he showed he was a willing blocker in the playoffs, is not necessarily always an effective one and more of a receiving threat. So I think either of those two guys, if the Packers feel as though they need to upgrade the tight end room tomorrow, I think those are two guys that make a lot of sense for what they could be targeting. At the offensive tackle position, is still a concern. Uh, a couple guys, Josh Jones from Houston, I expected to go in the first round, did not. As well as Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, I expected them both to go in the first round, they did not. So those are two guys, they're both very athletic, they fit what the Packers like to do. I think those are two guys that could, um, could very well be in the Packers' wheelhouse, uh, given their athletic thresholds. Uh, a couple guys to talk about maybe in the third round. Uh, Matt Pert from UConn. Uh, I talked about in the last episode in the mock draft. Ben Barch, the project, the D3 guy from St. John's. A very good athlete. He's only played the position for two years. The other guy is Prince Tagawanogo, who, uh, uh, again, a fairly new to the sport tackle from Auburn, uh, is an African prince. Um, so that's not his name. That's a title, Prince Tagawanogo. Uh, is a guy, another good athlete who's fairly new to the sport. Another guy I think that would would entice the Packers based on what they seem to like at the offensive line position. Now moving to defense, along the defensive line, uh, Ross Blacklock we talked about the other day, A.J. Epinesa as well. Two guys that, um, Epinesa more of a, uh, probably like a 4-I or a 5-tech, more of a rusher, um, played 5-technique defensive end at Iowa, a former 5-star recruit. Uh, as well as Ross Blacklock, more of an explosive, twitchy, upfield defensive tackle that um, I expect to go fairly early off the board, but could be there later. Another guy, Marlon Davidson, uh, is a guy who played all over the place at Auburn along the defensive line. He's about 6'3 and 300 pounds now, but played in the probably in the higher 270s or lower 280s as a stand-up defensive end at Auburn. Um, Nick Coe is a similar situation with that. And showed up at the Senior Bowl, and he was 297. So I think he kind of defined his own position that way, um, allowing himself to be more of a penetrating, twitchy, three-technique player uh, at Auburn. I think he's a guy that the Packers could could like in that second round. Now, at linebacker, I've discussed this multiple times. Uh, we're not really sure how the Packers value the position, but if they do, there are some guys here at 62 I think would make some sense. Malik Harrison from Ohio State, 6'2", 245 pounds. An absolute hitter. It's a very good athlete. Was not asked to cover a ton at Ohio State, but I, I that just because he wasn't asked to doesn't mean he can't. Uh, another guy, Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State, has some off the field concerns. Um, got or suspended from Mississippi State for cheating on a chemistry test. Uh, and I know Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus had asked him about it, you know, like, well, what happened with that? And Gay just basically said, it was a really hard class. I, I felt like I needed to do it because I wasn't going to be able to pass it. So um, some stuff like that off the field, kind of pulling him down. Uh, he's another guy. He's a, he's a supreme athlete, 
I think that the Packers would value his skill set at linebacker. I just don't know if we value it um, or if they value that that spot that highly. Logan Wilson, a guy from Wyoming, was a senior bowl guy, a really good athlete, well, uh, well-rounded all-around linebacker. I think he's a guy that the Packers could target maybe even at 94 um, and, and would be a good fit there. Again, these are all guys that are very iffy because we don't know how the Packers feel about the linebacker position. Now we'll move to two guys that are a bit more tweener. In uh, Josh Uchi from Michigan and Zach Bond from Wisconsin, I think both of them are are Sam linebackers in a base front, uh, with the ability to kick in or kick down uh, as edge rushers in in sub packages. I think that they are both kind of tweeners in that six one or six two and two hundred forty five pounds or so, two hundred forty pounds. But uh, their their main skill is their pass rush ability, and I think that they'll find excuses to get them on the field, despite having to probably play out of position and base downs for whatever team they end up on in the NFL. Lastly, we'll hit the defensive backs. Uh, a lot of these guys I talked about the other day. Xavier McKinney from Alabama, a very heady and sensual player. He's still available. Grant Delpit, the former five-star recruit from LSU, who was the Jim Thorpe winner this year. Uh, another big-time, you know, probably thought of as a top-ten prospect heading into the 2019 season. Definitely an alpha-type player. I thought the Packers could target at 30. Uh, I expect him to be gone before 62 tomorrow. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., Stad played for the Vikings, kind of an undersized safety at 5'9", uh, but very instinctual, a ball hawk, he's always around, he's a good tackler, but he struggled staying healthy. Uh, Ashton Davis played safety, he was a walk-on safety at Cal, a uh, former track star, he's very fast, he's a guy, I think he's a willing tackler, I don't think he's a great one, but he is a willing tackler, uh, but his main ability is to, to play center field, play coverage, uh, and and be a ball hawk and, and fly around on the back end. I think he's someone that the Packers would really like. He could be a big-time target at 62 if he were to fall. And then we talked about these guys uh, on the first podcast, but two smaller school players that could be more uh, projects as big-time athletes. Uh, the first one's Kyle Duggar out of Division II. Lenore Ryan uh, is a guy that made a lot of his plays at the Division II level by simply being bigger and more athletic than the guys he was playing against. It's not always very translatable into the NFL. Uh, so he's a guy, I think he could be a sub-linebacker, uh, as well as like a box safety, uh, if that's something that the Packers would be into. I think he's probably going to go here in the second round. And then Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois, uh, who's great big 6'3", 220 pounds, ran a 4'4", 40-plus inch vertical, extremely athletic. Extremely impressive at the combine. He's a guy with a lot of range. He showed a lot of that at the FCS level. Again, though, with that that jump in competition, there could be some some hesitance there. I think that's probably why he ended up falling into the second round. So there's a few 15 to 20 guys I think the Packers could target, could look at in in the second day of the draft. Here they do pick at 62 and at 94. Uh, so that we'll have two picks if there's no trades. Um, Two picks to look forward to here uh, on Friday night. And again, did not expect the Jordan Love pick. I was pretty surprised by it. But the more you think about it, the more it starts to make sense. And while it is frustrating, I think a lot of Packers were very dialed in on they need to take a wide receiver in the first round. However, this has been talked about for months now. This is potentially the most talented and deep wide receiver class in history and that you could still potentially find starting caliber players into the third, fourth, or maybe even fifth rounds. 
So while it's frustrating that they didn't get a big-time premier prospect at 30 at wide receiver or a more quote-unquote impactful position to win right now, objectively, Jordan Love is a very talented quarterback prospect who they gave up a fourth-round pick for, and if he hits, that couldn't be less meaningful than uh you know, if he turns out to be a starting caliber quarterback for the Packers after Aaron Rodgers, no one will remember the fourth round pick, the 136th pick in this draft that they gave up to go get him. So thanks again for listening. I want you to follow along uh, with the podcast. Uh, Make sure you share or subscribe or review. Give me a review. Uh, You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Again, on Apple Podcasts, feel free to subscribe and give me a review. Um, and then feel free to share this, uh, podcast as well. Uh, it's been fun doing it. Obviously it was a fun night here, night one of the, the, uh, 2020 NFL draft, obviously, uh, as we saw with the Packers, very unexpected, uh, and very unpredictable. It's one of the, the best things uh, of the year for me. I, I very much enjoy the, the draft and, um, it's always fun to see players and see how teams, uh, try to construct their rosters to head into the next season. So, um, follow along. We'll uh, enjoy the ride together here on day two, second and third rounds here on Friday night. Uh, Packers looking to add two more players to the roster. Um, so it should be a good time. It should be a lot of fun and, and we'll see uh, how mad they can make you guys tomorrow. So again, thank you for listening. This has been Owen Reese on the Voice of Reason podcast.